Welcome to the Apple of Truth, a weekly podcast where we cover every episode of Lucifer while exploring plot holes and admiring the guyliner, all with love for the show and its creators. I'm Lina. And I'm Vero. And today we're covering Lucifer Season 2, Episode 9, Homewrecker. And what an episode it is, isn't it? It's one of the good ones and honestly I was surprised. But I'm gonna get into that when I come to my wonderful facts and funs. I think I'm surprised a few times in this one as well. I'm pretty sure that I'd made some wild suggestions doing it. So I'm just gonna dive into those. So when I when you hear me say bullshit, believe me, it's because that's what I thought at the time. Vero, I made so many weird and wrong assumptions in this episode. <laughs> And also, I had a caps lock problem in this episode. I mean, it happened to me before. <laughs> before we go into more weird details, let's sum up the episode. Lux is in danger. Mom hooks up with Dan. Linda is the best therapist ever, as usual. And Lucifer has a proper revelation in this episode. And most importantly, I finally get a tiny amount of grey in Chloe. Well, don't worry. I had that written down to point it out to you. But I love the amount of content that you said Dan's name with. Dan, out of all people. I'm gonna complain about that when we get there, but not because of the reasons that you probably think. Well, we're gonna talk about it because I have my own thoughts on that situation. Before we move on, the usual fun information, Germans do not have a proper name for Homewrecker, I think. At least I can't think of a nice equivalent in the German language. And they called the episode Friends Help Each Other. Aw, that's adorable. And also something Lucifer says and Chloe. Aw. Obsession of the week. I went very materialistic and I said the obsession of the week is Lux. I said, what makes home home? Is it Lux? Or is it the... No! <laughs> Yeah, very nice. So, for our facts and fun and why I was surprised, we have a return writer once again. Mike Costa wrote season one, episode 10, Pops. That's the one with the murdered chef. I really like that one. That had really good twists and turns. I remember you didn't like it. Exactly. Remember me complaining. <laughs> so when I realized that this was a repeat writer, I had little hope. But I was extremely positively surprised. And of course, as usually or mostly usually, we have Lucifer saying the episode name, putting him eight out of nine. He is winning the game of naming episodes. Especially in this season. Last season, we had much more variance in that regard. Yeah. Well, I think it's time for previously on Lucifer. Lucy revealed himself to Linda. Linda managed to get over it. Chloe and Dan are friends now. Mom is diving into Charlotte's work. Mom is way stronger than they think. Lucy is attached to humans. Earth and humans are his home, while Ames and Mom don't get it. Perfect, right? I was pretty proud of myself. It feels unusual because we open not with the case, not with a murder, not with anything dramatic. We open on the strip, basically. And for some hilarious reason, I spotted one of the posters in the background. I was hoping you would. And it was Hedwig and the Angry Inch, which is amazing. Which one did you spot? I didn't. I just spotted that there was one. Oh, there are several. There is um, Finding Neverland. I think The King and I was also one of the posters. Ooh. So there's the whole musical season of 2016-2017. There's a separate billboard that says season 2016-2017. But one of the big ones is Hedwig and the Angry Inch. And if you've never seen a musical or the movie, what are you even doing listening to us? Just buy it <laughs> right now and watch it because it's amazing. No, no, don't listen to her. Please keep listening to us. You can come back after you watched it. Okay. We actually started this out with a really cool song. It's by Need to Breathe, which is a band features shovels and rope. And the name of this song is Great Night. Wait a moment. Wait, 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 wait. The band is called Need to Breathe and featuring shovels and rope. Yes. Am I the only one who finds this combination highly intriguing? <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Just me then. Okay, carry on, please. Fun fact about the band. I know this band because Jensen Ackles loves to sing a song by them at conventions called Brother. Oh, that's by them. That's by them. And I actually worked on a, a song by them called Happiness in one of our Gish Choir mashups. Ooh. 
So yeah, need to breathe. Worth checking out. Yeah, yeah. Featuring shovels and rope. <laughs> it's very good. You don't watch enough scary movies. Maybe that's why you didn't get the connection. You like horror movies. I like bus tours, actually. Bus tours are the worst. Anyway, Lucifer's... If Lucifer was the tour guide, I wouldn't mind because he's actually entertaining and giving out information that you otherwise wouldn't be able to get. And that makes a great tour guide. And it's a lot of local information. It's not touristy. So I really appreciated Lucifer for stepping in. Also, I think Ames must have appreciated him also because even Amenadiel waved at Pete. Right. Before he somehow disappeared off the bus. Oh, that is my question. Did he he just jump out of the moving bus and nobody noticed? I asked the same thing because he has no functioning wings. This is again what they did with Lucifer so many times. Uh, Magic King. Yeah, he can't teleport. He doesn't have his powers. What the fuck? Okay, so we're gonna add Amenadiel's Magic King to Lucifer's Magic King in our question list. But before we go to that part, why does Lucifer want Ames and Mom to stay on Earth? Why is he trying to convince Amenadiel that staying in LA is great. Two different options to me. Either he recognizes that their chase for the Silver City is a lost cause because that's not going to let them come back. So protective reasoning, okay. Or he doesn't want to be left alone without his family anymore. You know, like when you really like something and you don't understand why somebody else doesn't and you just care about them and you want them to like the same things that you do. Yeah, okay. Actually, strike the question. Fully answered. I'm more than satisfied. My last note is actually a quote from that scene which is city of reinvention where you can become whoever you want to be which if you remember we had a debate in season one as to why in all the cities did lucifer pick la and in this episode this question gets answered full and thoroughly they did touch up on this in the last episode i think they started but in this one it gets really hammered home exactly so we get one of the first scene transitions which are very well done and throughout this episode they do this a lot in this episode and it's so nice they cut into linda's office and pretty much we're having lucifer finishing up describing what we just saw in the first scene and it's just so very well done it gives you the idea of maybe he's just saying this as a story or like as something that he experienced it's from his point of view so actually did he jump off the bus maybe he didn't and lucifer just didn't notice him getting off somehow in a normal way i like your explanation we're still adding ames magicking himself off the bus to the question list obviously but when i think about it this is lucifer telling what happened so maybe he just didn't notice so that's fun but linda makes a lot of very interesting points in this scene oh my god Yes. Her first point that I wanted to point out is more or less a confirmation that Amenadiel is now in fact a fallen angel. Because we speculated about this with his wings and everything. And he himself claimed that he has fallen. But well, when it comes to self-awareness, Amenadiel isn't one of the brightest bulbs in the shelf. Sorry. It was a nice one, right? So for me, I take this now as confirmation at least everyone on Earth agrees that Amenadiel is a fallen angel. If that agrees is another thing, but... It's a big fat yes! And another thing that rings so true because I was a very shouty teenager. I fought a lot with my mom. I shouted a lot at her. And when Lucifer says, I didn't realize how true it was until I yelled it in her face. Been there, Lucy. Same. (laughs) But I also love the callback to the last episode being that we are not dismissing what happened and starting anew. We have this thing that started and now we're gonna take it through the finish line. Speaking of not beginning anew, I really appreciated that Linda is still slightly struggling with all the heaven stuff without overdoing it because the last two episodes she was really struggling with it and it made total sense but by the end she got herself back together with the doctor is in. But it feels very naturally and organic that sometimes in between she's still gonna be like right that's the actual goddess of creation. Okay and then continue. So I, I really appreciate that. And of course, her final piece of wisdom in this scene, running from something or running to something. And here I have to ask, why not both? Cue the gif. 
Both. Both. Both is good. Exactly. I think it's always going to be a little bit of both. Exactly. My thoughts exactly. But that being said, I think it's always going to be one of these that's going to spark it. Uh, you mean that either running from something or the running to something is what triggers the movement. And then you get both of it together. Because if you're running away from something, you're clearly looking for something that's not what you just had. So both is the base, but one is the causing force. Yes. I think that might be what she meant. You're on a roll today. Strike my question. Fully answered. Thank you. Now we have another very, very good scene transition. I had to pause. I pause all the time when I watch this. Okay, imagine something for me. Lucifer didn't realize who the victim was when he actually comes down to the table. But when we cut, he is on the first floor sitting in a throne. So what I imagine has happened was that Lucifer was like a dog opening the front door, spotting the throne and runs up the stairs and just sits down, closes his eyes and imagines himself at home. Except the home part, full agreement, it's canon, no discussion. It was such a nice tidbit that I've seen happen in front of my eyes, even though it was not happening on the screen. It should have. I know in the past I have liked to complain about the personal connection to the cases or projecting into the case and everything. I really enjoyed this personal connection because Lucifer was so unexpectedly caught by it. So I really enjoyed it, especially how it plays out throughout the episode. Well done. No complaints this time from me. I also have to say Ella gets better and better and better with every scene she's in. Her saying that she was one of those kids that did puzzles picture side down. Wow. I have no words. I was just... Wow. I told you from the very beginning that Ella is amazing and we should all love her and treasure her. You keep telling me that Chloe is cool, so forgive me if I don't believe everything you say. We'll get there. You'll love her. Maybe forcefully, but you will. (laughs) Shovel in a rope. Shovel in a rope. You will love her if it's the last thing I do. Shovel in a rope. That doesn't make any sense. That should be my catchphrase, though. Shovel in a rope? Yeah. You can have it. Thank you. We can share it. can be the podcast catchphrase. No, no, no. That's perfectly fine. We'll find another one for me at some point. Oh, okay. And also, I was surprised that Chloe seems to remember the Britneys. I have written down that I love the fact that they still reference them. Obviously, Chloe is super smart and she has a good memory, so it wasn't surprising to me that she remembers them. But speaking of Britney's and Lux, he has to leave. Yeah, our next scene is in the Lux. And how fucking dare the guy evict Lucifer? I love it from the writing perspective, even though it's kind of obvious that Lucifer, just after he freshly proclaimed Earth and Lux are his home, is now being kicked out. And this is one of the first moments where I actually made a wrong guess because I was dead on convinced that this is all mothers doing. Every single time something like that happened, I just wrote all cups. Mother, it's mother. I called the next scene, mom is behind it, she must be. But we're still in this one. And in this one, we get our title card at 6.44, which is our normal median. Well, Maze is being very, very cool. I would like to stop and think about how far she's gone. Because imagine this would happen in season one. She wouldn't have even let them in. She would just beat them up on the spot or something. I can't imagine her stopping Lucifer even just a few episodes ago. So props to the writers and props to Maze as a character. Because she has been definitely on the app. And it feels believable that her friendship with Linda and her friendship with Chloe actually have had this much of an influence to her. It makes her smarter. Yeah, it makes her smarter. It makes her more reasonable. And so, yeah, that that was really nice to see. Also... The insight regarding mom, even though in the long end she's wrong that mom did not cause this, she is right with her gut feeling about mom once again. So Mice has really grown. At the end of this scene, I just got very upset with Lucifer because I was disappointed that he is so oblivious towards mom because this is obviously mom's doing. I said, why oh why must Lucifer always ignore Maze's warning? Even back in the beginning of season one, when Maze starts worrying that Chloe is having an effect 
on Lucifer before he realizes that the detective is the one who makes him vulnerable. She saw it a mile coming that this was dangerous for him and he didn't believe her. And again and again, she warns him of something and he completely disregards her. So screw you, Lucifer. Yeah, screw you, Lucifer. Let's go to Ames for help. That was smart. It's not like she has many options. Eh, true. But as we established in the last episode, Amenadiel is the biggest pawn in the history of pawns. He is completely taken by his mother and he is completely faithful to his mom now and he believes her. Okay, right now, maybe just right now, but like... For me, the most important thing in this scene is that mom being so dismissive of Mace, like the demon speaks, it makes no sense, just makes me dislike mom even more. Because as you might know, when you treat my favorite characters like shit, I'm not gonna like you. But I fully agree with you with Ames being such a lickspittal because of mom and him hanging on to everything she says and agreeing with everything and not questioning anything. There cannot be an ounce of attraction left from Mace. Also, he is a follower. He was following his father until his father felt displeased with him enough in order for him to fall, if we look at it from Ames' perspective anyway. And now because he lost this model in his eyes, he will now follow mom because he feels like he doesn't have anybody else and he needs somebody to tell him what to do. He's a good little soldier. There's definitely that. Also, I blame him for what mom is up to during this episode because he says, as long as it still stands. Why would you say that, Amanadiel? Why? Why? Anywho, we go back to the crime scene and Ella is speaking Klingon. The translation is... A bit faulty, according to my Klingon dictionary. Of course, you would know that. The thing is, I'm not familiar enough with chess. So it might be that in the chess context, the translation is the emperor is trapped. But von Lu means failing utterly. So the literal translation from Ta von Lu would be the emperor has failed, not the emperor is trapped. But like I said, it might be that in chess terms, the translation is correct. But according to my Klingon dictionary, slight translation error. See, you just proved the point that I was gonna say. Ella speaking Klingon and therefore Amy, because I'm sure that Amy Garcia can speak Klingon as well, is the nerd in all of us. She is the person that we can now identify with I mean, maybe not me personally because I'm not a Trekkie. Shame. Shame. But some of us can identify with Ella because she's an insert of a fan in the show. I can't even disagree with you, except, of course, the not being a Star Trek fan because I'm a huge Trekkie. Clearly, you own a Klingon dictionary. Well, Klingon is a very interesting language, even though I suck at it. So I'm not gonna try to speak anymore. But Ella, speaking Klingon and obviously liking Star Trek, she is rising extremely fast on my list of characters ranked on liking. Her stock is climbing. Is that a word? Because I am a financial expert now, apparently. I'm pretty sure it's the stock is rising. Well, there you go. You're better than me in everything, except for answering your questions. That's what I have you for. Symbiotic. <laughs> so before we actually get to Eric Cooper being the killer or his print being on the glass, Dan says that he is working on some bombing case. And I didn't pay any attention to it at all when I was watching it. And then it came back to bite me in the arse. So yeah, that's a fun little tidbit to tie everything together. It was so well done because it's so understated. And also they tie it together with something else that completely distracts you from the information with the bombing case. Because he's being nice about Lucifer and comforting Chloe. I mean, they're friends. But it's Lucifer. Also that, yeah. So it feels so out of place that this is so distracting that the information right before with the bombing stuff, even though we just had, as long as it still stands from a mana deal, doesn't actively register as well as it would if we had not been distracted right afterwards. Also, it kind of explains why Dan just throws up all this information about Lucifer and Chloe when then later talks to Charlotte because he is keeping this bottled in when he talks to Chloe and he's trying to be nice and a 
good friend. And then obviously that just bursts out later. It feels that after last episode where Dan nearly killed Lucifer, even though he doesn't consciously remember what he did under the influence of the blade, it seems that he's really trying now. And I appreciate that. And of course, Lucifer has the impeccable timing from hell when he calls and says Eric is the killer and Chloe goes like no we need evidence we don't know that and Eric goes yeah well actually we do know so we get to go to talk to Cooper which goes splendidly as in they never make it inside I personally adored the moment where Chloe just starts listing the things that Lucifer did in previous investigations to the suspects it was extremely obvious to me, though, in the scene that the son is not our killer. Oh, no. I literally, in the previous scene, my note was Eric Cooper is not the killer, even though he should be. No, he should not be. But he was mean to Lucy at this stage. He's an asshole. That's fine. He was stealing his home. Yeah, but he gets what's coming to him. And boy, did I not see that coming. Oh, yeah. Same Z's. Lucifer going, his feet will remain firmly on the ground. Splash. It's so very good. And Lucifer, just for the record, that was not me. I laughed loudly and heartily in this moment when he goes firmly on the ground and the dude just splashes into the car from above. So this is a very short scene. We get to now leave to see the consequence of this. He survived that. I was shocked. I mean, there's groaning when we see the camera pan over him on top of the car. That was weird that he survived that. Also, it was an actual suicide attempt because they deal kind of casual with that. Look, I was at this stage convinced that mom scared him to jump. So this was my assumption. But no, if you think about it as a suicide attempt, they are treating it very lightly. Even his fucking fiancé. He goes, yeah, I uh, were broke, I couldn't bear to face you, so I decided to kill myself. And she's like, oh no, people don't love you. And that's it. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Also, Lucifer just goes on and starts drawing a dick on his cast. He says, my left foot is trying to speak when Eric tries to say that there's no money. What the fuck does he mean? I missed that. I'm not sure. Okay, because that's one of the few things that made no sense to me. And I even googled if it's an expression or something. It's not. I was very much distracted by the hairy balls on his cast, so... That I missed. Not real ones, obviously. Obviously. I did not pay enough attention to the drawing. I hadn't even realized he drew a dick on it. Well, I'm assuming so. They obviously couldn't show it, so... But anyway, I was actually surprised at this turn of events because I was really ready to blame mom for this entire situation and I was not convinced that she is off the hook just yet. No disagreement from me here because Eleanor Bloom is a name drop that did not ring any bell, so... Very, very curious, but before we learn more about Eleanor Bloom, we have Mom in the Men's Room. So we have a song for this scene called Obscura by Methyl Ethel. And oh hell, this scene is very funny. I liked having Mom in the Men's Room and being utterly oblivious that someone might find this weird. I found her approach with the explosives very entertaining. What I did not understand is if she decided that she wanted to represent the explosive dude, why did she confront his current lawyer? Was she keeping him from showing up later when explosive dude is at the precinct? Yeah, I assume so, yeah. Okay. Also, did she kill him? No, no. He was gruggling as she was leaving. He moved. Okay. Well, right. The suicide card ceiling dude was also moaning and survived, so that's probably a good indicator. It was a, a hilarious moment, definitely. And we go back to our case after this. Chase the next lead. Eleanor, aka Mommy Warbucks, is wonderfully standoffish and cold and mean. And I really appreciate her. What I appreciated even more, how Chloe played that woman. A murder investigation can really tie up developments. I found it hilarious that Chloe is actually better at negotiation in this situation than Lucifer. Because Lucifer has nothing that this woman wants. Well, he does, and she's taken it. Exactly, but he doesn't have anything to offer. 
I was really curious in that moment how Lucifer will turn this around and manage to keep fucking Lux. Because he had no option. He can't buy it from her. Mom is already planning to blow it up. He can't do anything outright illegal because Chloe is too close to this whole situation. Because otherwise Mace could simply maybe kill that woman or something. So at this point I did not see any reasonable solution that wouldn't feel deus ex machina. Yeah, I think this curiosity transfers to the next scene as well where Lucifer is trying to explain to Chloe that he needs to save his home and... And Chloe seems not to get it, even though we know that she gets it. And later on, we'll see how much she cares for Lucifer by helping him out in this situation. But he looks like he is sad and partially betrayed because he feels like she's not giving him the time to help him. He feels she's being unsupportive in this moment. It's actually kind of sweet in that regard. Like the painful suite. It was very well done. And then speaking of well done, there is, is another scene transition scene in quotation marks where Chloe leaves the shot and Charlotte shows up from behind the corner. It's one shot with Lucifer in the elevator, the doors closing, the camera panning around, Chloe walking to the side. And once she's out of the frame, mom walking towards the camera and moving along. And this is really, really well done. So praising the direction, I guess we are this time camera work definitely yeah yeah this is director what felt extremely uncomfortable to me was mom talking to dan you're very attractive that can also mean you're not very intelligent clearly she picked up on that stereotype and it doesn't really make a difference for her if it's a woman's stereotype or a man's stereotype oh i don't have an issue that she's saying it to a man i have an issue that she's saying it at all (laughs) well this is the thing with mom though she doesn't want to have an understanding of humanity so she learns from what she sees around her now it's actually a really good point that because she has absolutely zero interest in humanity it makes sense for her to be this extremely superficial which then again means living and using cliches because nothing is as superficial as a cliche again vero i did it again that point i actually used to make another point is that her inability to learn human interactions or even take humans as her equals makes her a very good lawyer i think because in this situation she is able to very quickly dismiss dan out of the room by talking down to him from such a height. And this, I can imagine, can be very helpful in court as well. Also, it helps that she read all the law books in a weekend. I have a feeling that Dan likes strong women around him. Yes, Dan is definitely classic bottom. He's not just a department bottom, he is a bottom. He likes his partner strong and dominant and assertive. I just realized we had a mention of that a few episodes ago when they were chatting to Chloe about his demotion or something like that. Do you remember that? Yeah, and I feel like Dan is actually working better when he has someone taking care of him in a certain way. He's sort of a little soldier as well, isn't he? Yeah, but he's not as blindly following. Amenadiel has an issue with strong women, looking at Mace, but he follows authority. Dan is not an authority follower, but he likes strong women. Well put. Definitely the better man, in my opinion, because there's absolutely nothing wrong to be into strong women. And yet another of my all cups screams, MOTHER! At the end of this scene. Spelling it out for us. Thanks, mom. Yep. So we move on to Lux. Oh my god, this scene. Seriously, this is one of the best scenes in this episode. From how it begins with the hands of my piano. Yikes, Lucifer is angry, angry, angry. And you expect him to do some smiting. To just rip limbs off of people or something. And when he says, let me show you. And zip, Lux is Full of people, having drinks, partying, music is playing, he's doing tequila off of a body. And we're listening to a great song, which is called Not Tonight, and it's by a band called Snow the Product. Of course, the song is called Not Tonight, because the building cannot be demolished tonight, because there's too many people in there, thus rendering it non-demolishable. I have to say, Trisha Helfer knows full well how to strike a power pose because we have the camera pan up 
and she stands there. Oh my god, it's so good. You believe her that she is the goddess of creation. And I think we haven't said this in a while. Just because Vero and I hate on the character mom does not mean that we are not both super, super impressed by the abilities and acting of Trisha Helfer and in Vero's case, utterly in love with her. She's amazing, okay? And just because we haven't mentioned that in a while that we might rag against characters, never against the actors. Because when we have a problem with an actor, you will know. Moving on. Speaking of ragging on characters, <laughs> this is for me the final moment where a Manadiel has to realize how batshit crazy his mother is. And he doesn't. I think he realizes it, but he doesn't do anything. And this for me is one of the final nails in a Manadiel's character coffin for me. He should have just come up to Mace and had a chat with her and decide that mother needs to go back or away or something because this is getting ridiculous at least stay away from Lux now that he knows that she had planned to blow it up I honestly am not sure how his character is gonna be able to recover for me from the low point where he's at because he's fucking up everything he did not tell anyone about the loss of his powers and by not telling escalated situation so far that Lucifer ended up having to kill Uriel to save mom and Chloe he took Mace for granted and was a fucking dick to her. His entire hanging onto the skirt of his mom and being a blind follower. The way he lied and tried to use Linda. There's so much that make him difficult to like and it adds up. I'm sure they'll figure it out for you. Probably. At this point I can't really think of a way how they would redeem him. Because remember, Dan did and does things that make him not perfect, unlikable or even sometimes problematic. But they always manage to bring him around and have him do or say something that makes him understandable or likable and with Amenadiel I'm at a position now where I'm skeptical. I have a very similar feelings about mother right now if they're gonna manage to do that. I can't see it happen for mom. But regarding mom I at this moment just wanted to know what the fuck her play was because she just decides to use this party to her advantage and I just couldn't see how. Mom does the 180 behavior wise and goes to Lucifer and well you're my son just because we disagree I can still support you and saying all the right things and Lucifer is really happy about this in the moment and it hurts because we as a viewer know she's not being genuine hasn't he been hurt enough and then Linda meets the goddess and does not crumble. It's so impressive. It's very good. Also, surprisingly, mom actually has a quote that I liked when she says, I prefer not to be defined by him. Thank you. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Where she refers to her ex-husband. Linda is actually flabbergasted, she seems, at this moment when this quote is said to her because I think that this is something that if she were to deal with a human at this situation, she would never imply anything or even mention the ex but because she is in the presence of divinity she forgets her knowledge and she forgets her amazing skills she just says that so it just puts her back into herself and being a good person and good therapist so I am loving this entire interaction also when mom walks away from Linda Linda only misses a beat and then walks behind her and follows her and keeps engaging with her which is extremely impressive I have to say I mean it must have been really scary as well and as ruthless as mom is she's smart and she realizes that she can try to milk Linda for information. And I love that Linda does not hesitate a quarter of a second to tell her, I'm not telling you about therapy. So after this beautiful interaction, we very briefly run over to the precinct where Chloe is actually doing her job. Chloe is doing the police work as usual. She's the only one actually working. Exactly. And look, professional tempter. Kind of interesting concept at this moment. Same! In this scene, I have professional tempter in quotation marks. Nice concept. Later on, he's a wild, disgusting human pile of shit. Because at this stage, I was like, ooh, this is very good. This is something like what Lucifer does, isn't it? Except he gets paid for it. 
And then I need to retract all these statements later on because obviously this is exactly not what Lucifer does. 100% with you. 100%. I love it. It's been a while since we had an episode where our notes matched up so extremely well. Oh, this is fun. (laughs) We need to do this more often. Like once a week or something. This is a very brief scene so we can head back to Lux where party poopers arrive. So, before the party poopers arrive, Lucifer is pouring, I'm pretty sure it's whiskey? I thought it was vodka. It was dark, I thought. Was it? Never mind. Either way, he pours an entire bottle into this weird contraption and three women lap it up and catch it all. And I want to do that. I was just going to say, can we get one of those? I love you, girl. I literally, I have it written down. I'd show you, but... And then the stormtroopers arrive. Then the party poopers arrive. You are absolutely right. And then, of course, the major surprise for poor me in this episode happens when Chloe tells the stormtroopers, as you call them. So when she tells them to just go and she she's gonna handle him and yada yada, I'm just like, oh, Chloe. And you see Lucifer's face. He's so disappointed by himself that he tried to bribe a police officer in front of Chloe. But also his face when he thinks that Chloe is gonna try to convince him to lose Lux, that he has to stop the party. He is with me in that moment. He does not believe that she's not here to stop the party. And then she's like, yeah, why is that? turn the music up wee wee and I'm just like wow I did not see that coming at all I have complained for so long I have complained for 22 episodes for 22 episodes that Chloe has a fucking moral stick in her butt and that she has zero moral flexibility and I have been proven wrong and I like it and you listeners can't see me but i'm doing a happy dance because this is what i was waiting for thank you but also this is the moment where i can put one of my other other favorite songs on the playlist which is should i stare or should i go by the clash it's such a great song and i really love them dancing to it this is one of the moments where you really see the amazing chemistry that tom Alice and lauren german have because it's so supernatural ah, supernatural the way they dance and everything and it's beautiful of course as beautiful as this dancing is as dangerous it also is because mom realizes that chloe is what lucifer likes and mom knowing can never be good yeah and then she leaves and linda kind of insinuates it as well which i was kind of bothered by (laughs) it's a surprising lapse of judgment on linda's part to impart more knowledge than she usually would yeah i think it's because linda hasn't seen them together in a really long time and it feels like this is actually the first time she sees them sparking like that. She has never seen them interact in this carefree way. Yeah, she has never seen them interact with each other without knowing that she's there. And also it's not that long ago that they actually even started interacting as friends with less barriers between them. But still, this is one of the very few moments where Linda is not pure perfection. I can acknowledge that even though it's hard to say that my favorite character is not utterly flawless. We move on then and the party starts slowing down the woman sleeping on the bar holds on very very tightly to the alcohol bottle I can't blame her we all been there yes we've all been there Elizabeth drags it out of her hand so you something to drink because Chloe is working and she goes back to her usual law-abiding self that she can't pull another what she did for this night again I mean she's not wrong I was about to say I don't fault her for saying that but Lucifer is not in an emotional place where he can accept things like reality when it comes to Lux. And then he goes into the history of this place, the history of sin. And this, I have to say, was the moment where I realized how Lux can be saved. Because once you have historical relevance of a place, it's very easy to save. I didn't connect that at all, personally. I think I only connected it because I have friends who own properties that are age-protected. They're so old that parts of them have to be retained. I can see that. I don't have any friends, so I couldn't tell. Of course you have friends, bitch. (laughs) 
<laughs> Final note on this scene for me is when Chloe tells Lucifer that she needs him, how his face glows up. It's so, so heartbreaking. He is so happy that he's being needed. I think that's one of the biggest reasons why he considers Earth his home, is that this is the first time he feels wanted or needed. I think he mentioned that himself even. Respected. He says this is the first place he has ever felt respected. Because obviously he wasn't needed in heaven. And as it turns out in his eyes, he wasn't wanted either. And he was maybe needed in hell, but he didn't want to be there with his entire soul. I feel that in hell he was mostly feared and not respected. Yeah, but technically he was needed there. But he definitely was not wanted there. He was just doing a job. So this is actually closing a bigger circle with the same beginning. It's like a little ring of hell. A fire! Our fire. But nevertheless, this discussion about Lux's history and the end of this scene is just so, so nice to watch. And we just watch Lucifer and Chloe getting closer and closer together this episode. It's just done really well. Yeah, you might remember in the past I have complained about the love interests and stuff like that. But they are neither rushing it, but they're also not drawing it out. It feels very natural. And I have no problem with a lengthy development because seriously, Chloe has issues and Lucifer has issues. It's gonna take a while. But both of them are showing progress. And as long as we have progress, I'm more than happy to wait for more closeness and developments. I really have to say this episode is a perfect mixture on the different emotional levels. It's intriguing, it's funny, it's emotional, it's sweet, it's painful. It has everything. And as we talk about emotions, let's move on to the dark bar, as I called it, because I was just way too lazy to come up with anything else. I called it stalking mom. We finally see Ames not 100% trusting what mom is doing. He immediately tries to argue argument around it. It's so annoying. Obviously, but I don't think that he's gonna admit to his own doubts to Mace, especially not to Mace or Lucifer. Who else is there? Nobody. He doesn't want anybody to know that he's having doubts because he feels like I made a decision and now I would look bad if I change it. That is the vibe I'm getting from him. But yeah, Mommy Dearest can get it, is my note. I only have one note, which is, <laughs> why is mom meeting with Dan? I'm with Mace. Did not see that coming. Well, I knew it was gonna happen because I've seen this before, but... Yeah, but did you see it coming when you watched it the first time? Nope, but once I saw Dan, I knew exactly why he's there. We'll get into it in the next part of the scene. <laughs> yeah, let's go to the moment where apparently both you and I realized that the professional tempter is not a nice concept. I called this scene Pool Party with the Creeper. That's a great name. And we have a song to come with it by Sophie and the Bonbons called Swim. Well, the dude is more sinking than swimming, but yeah. He is tempting a woman to sleep with him. And Lucy saves the day. Thank Lucifer. Lucifer is actually being really, really cool at this moment. He's being true to himself. Yes, he's being classic Lucifer and he is 100% correct in everything he points out and he describes the dude as a vile person and vile is definitely a word I want to be using more in my vocabulary because A, there's too many vile people out there and B, what an amazing word. Yeah, I don't use it that much but I know it quite well. Oh, I know it but usually I use like disgusting or nasty or horrible or evil or something. Vile is just everything to it's like creepy. You don't really have an equivalent to that. Right? I absolutely adore that they just nailed this guy down working together. It's just so beautiful to watch. And Lucifer gets to project his own life on him again. So that's really nice. We get the name drop. Correct. And I think my favorite part of this scene is the very end where Lucifer already leaves and we just get this last shot of Chloe and the disapproving look that she shoots at this guy is so good and so on point. If looks could kill. Yeah. We're return now to Stalking Mom part two. 
Funniest scene of the episode, hands down. Mom definitely has gotten really good at playing human males. You know, as Lucifer introduced her earlier, look, this is my mom in a disturbingly hot body. Insert Lena's usual rant about the sexual awkwardness. You don't get to complain, you lost the poll. Mace is wearing the best shirt in the scene, which Mace is also wearing in the comics. This is where the shirt is from. Yay! What does it say? Normal consciousness will be resumed. And as far as I know, Leslie Ann has this shirt because there are pictures of her wearing it. I would not be surprised if it's the very same one that she was wearing in the episode. And of course, the reason why you say this is the funniest scene is when Mace is taking pictures of a Manatee's face. It's perfect. It's so fucking good. Like the entire interaction, them watching mom and Dan together, Emanadiel is going through this, this is not happening. This is not real. This is not happening. Props to D.B. Woodside. He really knows to work his face. It was absolutely amazing. And Mace is having so much fun, not just stalking mom. Fucking field day for Mace. So very, very good. So I absolutely adore this part. And obviously Mace knows where Dan lives. That was never a question. Yeah, not surprised. But they're not going back to his place, are they? I think so. Mom is not taking him to Charlotte's place because she has a husband and children. That looked way too fancy for Dan. Maybe I'm wrong. Look, it happened before. Also, the whole 180 that Mace does on uh, let's go watch them and... I didn't really want to watch them anyway was kind of funny because that's after she interacts with Ames where he is being completely oblivious. I think that she chooses not to go. I think Mace is the only one who does not have a stick up her butt when it comes to mom. So very appreciative there. We then have the morning after or the nights after or whatever after making out basically. <laughs> after making out. Yeah, that's what was happening, Ames. Quotation marks. And mom makes the phone call asking for a smaller charge for one person and I was utterly oblivious and I thought is mom planning to blow up then no she is not yet I realized later on but in this moment I was like where is this going? This time I was full aware that she is planning on blowing up Chloe. I just wrote down all cups, mother, all over again. <laughs> yeah, no, we're starting to drift apart. No more being in sync for us. The closer we get to the end. You guessed the last one. I guessed this one. So, you know, I think we're even for now. My one complaint about this episode is the next scene. Or is it? Complain so I can prove you wrong. I call this the star-crossed lovers and they point out that the fiancé has motive and they want to charge her with murder and then Eric is like, no, no, I killed him. And then the fiancé goes, no, I killed him. And while it's meant to be very sweet that they try to protect each other, it's stupid as fuck, as Chloe points out. And then Eric goes, hey, it doesn't matter, we're still together. And I'm just like, wow, you're fucking idiots. Which in itself would not have been a problem because he's a fucking asshole in the beginning, so who cares about him? But this is part of the lesson for Lucifer for the episode. And usually I utterly enjoy the life lessons Lucifer draws out of cases and interactions with people and everything. This is not a good lesson. This is not a good example. This is not a healthy relationship. This is not a lesson for Lucifer. Okay, as much as I agree with you on most of the points, I think that the point they were trying to make is that they would rather both go down down then having the other person taking the full blame for it. I feel like by admitting that you didn't do it and letting the other person to take the fall is actually worse for them than going to prison themselves as well. I utterly and entirely disagree. No, this is their thought process. Yeah, and this is why I think it's bullshit. <laughs> you think that the thought process is bullshit? Yes. I'm not saying it's not stupid. He is learning that you can actually love somebody so so much that you turn into a stupid idiot that you turn into a stupid idiot yeah that's not a good lesson however it's the emotion lesson this is not do this 
this is this happens type of a lesson. We're gonna have to disagree on this. Okay, let, let's let it go. Moving on to positive things. Yes. In the next scene, we get more cute bonding between Lucy and Chloe because they are back there and Lucifer has a realization. It wasn't the walls that made it my home. And Chloe goes, oh, it was the people. And that was really, really sweet. As much as I was complaining about what was probably completely put into cuts because I think this was like 10 minutes of me rambling. There is also a positive thing. Chloe is being Chloe. And by being Chloe, she saves the fucking day. She found the morally and legally correct way. She saved Lux. She remained true to herself without bending the law. She only sped up the process because someone owed her a favor. And the entire thing is amazingly sweet of her. So this gives Chloe so many points in my book. A lot of my up till now Chloe dislike or mostly I just found her blah. Now she's starting to get texture for me. I want them to keep this up. This is great character development. This is great insight. This is really, really nice writing. I'm getting interested in her. I'm already interested in so many of the other characters. Make me curious for Chloe. Yeah, I think this is call out to our summoning episode, something that we talked about in there, that Chloe's character is pretty much the only one in season one that didn't really get a proper character development. Yes, there was no actual arc for her. So this is really nice to see that they are now diving into that one character that they kind of left behind before. And give us more. I mean, for fuck's sake, she's one of the main characters. I want more character development of her. Give her the screen time. Give her the writing time. Obviously, she's worth it, as has been proven in this episode. Final note for this. This is where the German title drops. And Lucifer kind of asks her out. He asks her for dinner. And she accepts. And it's just so sweet. I realized that Lucifer probably didn't think of it as a date at this moment. And I don't think that Chloe did either. And this is the only issue I have with the next scene. And I know that this needed to happen. That because Linda puts this thought in Lucifer's head, she puts pressure on him regarding this relationship and this meeting to be a date. Not pressure. She opens the door for self-realization. And then problems come streaming in. Yeah, by making him aware. He puts this pressure on him for this being a date. But since you're already moving into the next scene, I have to have my moment because Linda goes why is it that I'm the only human in your life who knows who you really are and my notes to that are exactly Linda that's what I said Linda is saying my arguments I was right yep I agree thank you that's all I want close episode no um No, that's what I had. Linda is sitting here asking the real questions again. Like me, before. This is a very good question and it's very well pointed out. And again, brings me back to because she asked such a good questions, it makes him question everything. And it makes him reconsider meeting up Chloe later, which I hate. Let's finish this scene before we go into the final scene. It always happens to me here. Half of my notes are now in caps, so I fully understand what you mean at the end of this scene with linda it is made clear that lucifer did not find home in la or home in lux he found home in chloe the sense of belonging is what he was looking for and as you explained earlier he was of course running from his family ties and responsibilities and everything but mostly he never belonged to his family because he was the odd one out and now he finally has a sense of belonging and with that we go into to the final scene. And we have a collage of scenes that are going with a song by Milk, M-I-L-C-K. And the name, of course, is Devil Devil. What else? But it's been a while since we had a song title with devil in the name. In season one, that was way more frequent. That is true. Quite often the devil or anything regarding the devil would be more in the lyrics lately. So let's dive into this. The scene started and my first note is... For the life of me, if Lucifer stands up Chloe for dinner, 
Fuck you, Lucifer. That's my first note. I was so angry. And then because I was so angry, I was extremely motivated to find little shit in this scene. I freeze framed through the beginning of it. Do you know how long Chloe waited for him? Because I checked the timestamps of the messages. I don't want to know. The first time she sends him a text is 8 p.m. 11. And she last writes him at 10 p.m. 17. She sat there for two fucking hours. I hope she... She got herself a steak. She didn't even order, did she? She didn't eat. She just sat there. She probably only had water while waiting. I was so angry. This is like the worst thing. I fucking hate it. It's so disrespectful. I wonder if, you know, Charlotte's not gonna blow up Chloe. I wonder how this is gonna pan out in the future because this is not a good thing for their relationship. This is gonna be such a huge setback. It's just really frustrating because the only reason why Lucifer didn't go is because he got into his own head. Because he's scared now. And I get that he's scared, but seriously, have the balls to be like, sorry, something came up. The thing is to wrap up the standing someone up or being stood up. While I fully understand the entire anxiety issue, one of my personal driving forces is respectful behavior. And I will do things that I don't like if I consider the alternative to be not respectful enough towards the other party. And one of the things that I find extremely disrespectful is not showing up on time. So standing someone up is the ultimate version of not showing up on time. But what you're describing here is a very mature type of behavior. Rational. The word you're looking for is rational. This has nothing to do with maturity. It has a lot to do with maturity, believe me. It's stubborn sure. Keep on, I'm not gonna put words in your mouth. Okay, what you describe here is a certain type of behavior that Lucifer is not capable of right now. Yes, absolutely. So as much as we both hate it, unfortunately, this is the way it needs to go. Which is why I said that it makes sense that you are able to empathize more with him than I am. So uh, we can wrap this up, right? <laughs> We've been talking about this for at least 10 minutes. But like, no, it's a very important part of the episode and it's a very important thing that I think that we need to put out there is that it's okay not to be okay but talk to people always try to talk to somebody and in this case I'm just glad that Lucifer is still talking to Linda so this is pretty much the only thing I want to leave this with this is a very good wrap up for that yes and then we go to the second part of the final scene with mom being in the shadows striking a pose power pose and Chloe finally after over two hours of waiting leaves the fucking restaurant and she walks to a car and the camera pans down we see that there's something attached to the bottom of the car it's an explosive mom is standing in this alley next to the restaurant and she flicks open the detonator thingy and then the episode ends and damn what a cliffhanger next episode please no I know but you know how much I like cliffhangers because cliffhangers are just one way to torture your audience and I love being tortured so give me give me more what an episode I did not expect this, especially not from the man who wrote Pops, which wasn't a good episode for me. The writing was so on point. The transitioning between the scenes was brilliant. The episode in itself was hilarious and heartfelt. We had tidbits from every single side character. Sorry, no Trixie. We had actual character development for Lucy and Chloe. We had substance, especially for Chloe. We had an episode story that I did not see coming. And a cliffhanger that threatens you, that demands you to binge right through it. So I thoroughly enjoyed this episode on pretty much every level. This, as it stands of now, is place free on my episode list. After the Frank episode and the other one the same guy wrote. Top three episodes, Priest Walks Into a Bar, Monster and Homewrecker. That's very high ranking. I had one fucking single complaint. True. I did enjoy this episode for sure. I kind of like that mom is getting quite crafty with her plots. She likes to come up with her plans on the go, which, you know, it's kind of cool. I do not like where she's going with these, but nevertheless, I will give her craftiness. I absolutely adore the whole scene between Mason and Emma Deal. It was so well done, acting-wise, writing-wise, everything. It just was fucking perfect. And I feel so bad for Dan, because he just has the worst taste in women. No, no, he has actually great taste in women, he just has bad luck picking them. His taste is great. Okay, well, yes, he is choosing women that he cannot 
it will never work for him. I extremely enjoyed where the whole Lucifer and Chloe plotline is going, was going. It just felt very natural. And then... It just felt like when you meet somebody and you just get on really well and then after a while you realize that there's something a little more to it. It just feels very organic the way they are developing the relationship and then the massive dump that Lucifer takes on it at the end just killed me. But, you know, I guess it would be too easy if they've gotten together straight away, right? We probably wouldn't have gotten five seasons or six. Probably not. However, overall, the episode was super amazing. And obviously that cliffhanger at the end was absolutely amazing. With this cliffhanger, thank you everybody for listening. If you want to keep in touch with us, you can do so as per usual throughout our various social media. Just type in the Apple of Truth or you can send us an email to lucifer at taot-podcast.com. Our episodes can be found on Spotify and iTunes. And if you say, ah, social media, that's just not enough. I want to get really, really involved with all of this. Then we have something that's called a Patreon page. You can find it under patreon.com slash T-A-O-T podcast. You have to type in the address because we're marked explicit, so you can't search for us. If you go on that page, you see what wonderful benefits you can have if you decide to support us monetarily. I think is the English word for that. We appreciate anyone who does that. If you can't or don't want to do that, no worries, absolutely none. But if you could maybe talk all your friends into listening to us as well, well, that would be even more appreciated. Thank you to our lovely, lovely patrons who already support us. You guys are the bestest people in the world. Love you, folks. Bye. Bye. <laughs>